Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. I love alliteration, so that's how we're going to open this week's show. Bright, brilliant, brave, brotherly. Literally, he has five. (laughs) Brandon, our guest this week, is all of these things and more. It's hard to keep up with this man about town, but I've been trying to do just that since we met. All right. So today, I don't know that there's enough that I can say about this... (sighs) Denizen of San Francisco. Perhaps some would call him the godfather of the young left here. You may know him as Brandon Harami, but in my brain, how it goes is Brandon, holla at me. Brandon, who, what's, what's, what's going on? Who we mad at? What we doing? Where we need to move? What's going on? He does drag and he will drag you and your shit politics if you happen to have it. Brendan Harami, everyone. Say what's up to the people. Hey, hey, everyone. Thank you so much, <laughs> you know, for that that fabulous introduction. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon, you absolutely can cuss me out for uh, sounding so dumb. Um. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. That was that was brilliant. That was great. I don't made me feel very proud. I want to get on Twitter and start dragging some some bitches. So there we go. L- listen, drag a bitch once a day. It's like an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but like. Drag a bitch every day. Just clear your pores. Just <laughs> reset your spirit, honey, because that's, oh God, there's so many terrible, <laughs> there's so many people with like such <clears throat> shit takes out there that we gotta, we gotta get them together. Anyway, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? I am so tired. I was up to like five in the morning finishing my hair, so I'm like, <sighs> there was a, it was a, it was like a three coffee morning so that I could like. Be ready for oh, your your. <laughs> He's really sweet because I look like a lion right now. I put way too much hair in my head. Well, I I have the opposite. I have way too little hair on my head. So so you should be proud of that lion mane. Oh my god, He's so sweet. Um. Well, I Brennan, how when when did I first make your acquaintance? Was it was it over the summer getting? Was it over the summer in the run up to like sending delegates to the convention? Yeah, I think I was when I reached out to you for booking your time uh, for the Bernie delegate election. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we ever crossed paths during the Bernie campaign. Um, I did. Uh, I was in Portola a lot, mm-hmm. so I was across the freeway from you while you know you're doing your Bayview stuff. But I don't know if we ever met like in the office think, or anything. I don't think we ever met at the. I mean, we we might have we might have like breathe the same air yeah. like during like we the to. yeah that's right when we were allowed to do that uh like on the party uh the after party for super tuesday but i don't think like i ever like spoke to you know what i mean like i might have maybe have seen your face around but we've um now we're friends in my head so and we're friends in my labor my living room god i can't talk right now anyway so but uh, yeah i think i first made your acquaintance digitally over the summer and ever since then it's like all right, Janelle, in the shit. 
and Brandon gonna be there because <laughs> <laughs> Brandon over here with milk. He over here with the burning crabs. He over here with the 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 what is the what is it the healthcare coalition, the 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 new like oh the healthcare committee the yeah, yeah the, healthcare, the, committee, the healthcare yeah. committee so um Brandon's basically like the left visa he's like everywhere you want to be so i just follow him and i mean just hope that everything works out but (laughs) but um so i i and i'm sure a a lot of people all 50 people in this listen to this fucking podcast uh you know you are you are like a you are a capital f like figure in san francisco and um you seem to to have quite the command of like what's going on, who the players are, where we, you know, strong opinions, strong and very necessary opinions about, you know, where we need to be going in terms of, you know, a leftist or progressive, I don't know what term you you prefer, um, uh, uh, building of political power, not just in San Francisco, not just in California, but nationally. Uh, But I want to understand your backstory because I'm sure it is fascinating. (laughs) I want to understand, like, how did Brandon become Brandon? Like what, what, what led you to, to becoming such a strong young voice um, for leftist progressive politics? So take me, take me, take me to the beginning. Oh, oh okay. Uh, well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff and, and thank you for that question. Uh, there, you know, there's a lot of stuff that uh, happened when I was, when I was young that I think shaped a lot mm. of my current, uh, you know, kind of political beliefs um, I grew up, uh, you know, I was born in Sonora. It's up in the foothills. It's like an old, um, gold, gold rush mining town. Hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I lived with my dad and my mom at the time till, uh, about seven. They, uh, uh, were, you know, working class. They were able to raise up, save up some money and they, you know, they started a, uh, their own restaurant, hmm. you know, which was really cool as a kid. Um, it was a pizzeria and, uh, you know, it, going after school, getting off of school and then going to the pizzeria your parents, uh, like own is probably like the coolest thing that a kid could possibly do. Sure. I mean, just think about all the pizza, uh, that you get in your life. And, you know, mom, my mom was always like, you can't have pizza every day, but like my mom can be a little bit of a pushover sometimes. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, 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 was unfortunate. Um, the restaurant ended up flooding, uh, due to like a really weird, like crazy storm at the mm. time. And, uh, it went under and uh, my parents just lost everything at oh, that time. Dear. And they ended up, um, you know, p- probably partially from that, but, you know, for other reasons in a moment, they ended up divorcing um, briefly after that. Mm. And I moved out of the house that my parents owned and into, uh, like, this, this uh, like, subsidized, like, public housing mm. with my mom. Um, and then briefly after that, my dad came out of the closet. Uh, oh. Yeah, big surprise. Oh, wow. uh, so when I was about six or seven my dad you know sat me and my brothers me and my older brother down and said you know I just want to let you know that I'm gay and you know I was like I don't know what that is and Mm. he's like oh I like men rather than women I'm Mm -hmm. like oh and in back of my head I'm like oh me too like yeah me too like I, I do as well and, and from there, you know, I, I moved with my mom. My mom got custody, like full-time custody of us, but my dad, we hung out on weekends. And I moved uh, with my mom to Hollister, and we kind of hopped houses a lot for a couple of years. We lived out in the country. 
Um, I was a, a big 4-H kid, if you know what 4-H is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so 4-H, you know, for, for the listeners who don't know what it is, it's basically like farm leadership development, like country boy leadership development, where they have you like take care of animals and, um, and like, uh, you know, farming stuff. But also uh, they teach you how to uh, have your own club and run meetings and Robert's Rules and running and having a budget. And doing I hate so. fucking Robert's Rules. <laughs> yeah, Robert, Robert's Rules is... is uh, you know, in, in, in a in a very professional setting, like a city council or like the Senate or something, it makes a lot of sense. But like for average normal people um, to like, you know, sit in a meeting of like a community group or whatever, um, you know, you, you got to make it accessible. And Robert's rule sometimes is, is unaccessible. Yeah. But. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely something I need to learn and get better at if I'm going to like be in these circles. But I fucking. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. So you got a head start, and that's why you're, that's well, why you're a bad bitch because you know you were taught Robert's rules as yeah. a youngster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Robert's rules. That that was it. And then from there, I was a socialist. Um, that's that's right. Right. That's right. No, yeah. I, you know, I think, um, you know, growing up fairly poor and then visiting my my gay dads on the weekend, you know, really really changed my mood. My mom's not political mm-hmm. um, necessarily, but my dads are, and my my dad's husband that he ended up marrying, mm-hmm. and they've been together for. God, like 22, 23 years, mm-hmm. is a Marxist. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so, and then my dad always just, you know, would always be like, oh, we need, you know, healthcare like Canada. You know, Brandon, socialism is as bad as the Republicans make it out to be. Socialism's good. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was, you know, sort of built in my brain. But I was also kind of like a lib. Like, mm-hmm. I loved Nancy Pelosi. I Ooh. loved, yeah. Oh, she was Mercy. my favorite. She was my favorite in the whole world. Diane Feinstein, I thought, was so great. Uh, Gavin Newsom was just like, oh, my God, he was my favorite person on earth. And, you know, like, I think a lot of people who are, who are you know, a progressive or a leftist um, uh, or whatever, uh, I think a lot of us started that way thinking Democrats Absolutely. good, Republicans bad. Yep. Which is, you know, I wouldn't say Democrats are good. They're better than Republicans, but, you know. In some ways, sometimes. Yeah, in some ways, some ways, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're better at losing than Republicans mm-hmm. um, because they lose a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, from there, I moved to San Francisco. I thought, uh, I lived in Modesto for a little bit with my dad. I mm-hmm. uh, was debating uh, sociology or music. And I ended up going music and be like, I don't want a job in politics. And, surprise, uh, yeah, <laughs> optimistic there. Moved to San Francisco. I was like, oh, this is just a Democrat. The city is all Democrats. It's, it's, it's fine. And I think it was when um, Eric Marr was running for re-election against David Lee that I started paying attention to local politics a little more. Uh, background, Eric Marr used to be supervisor of, of the Richmond District 1, mm-hmm. um, uh, is a member of DSA now. And he was up against, like, a well-funded, like, corporate-backed challenger. And I noticed, like, why are these businesses spending so much money on David Lee over over Eric Marr? And it, you know, kind of shifted my view a bit. And then Bernie, a couple of years later, uh, who have, I've always been a big fan of, my parents were like, oh, he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's fabulous. He hopped into the race for president. And I was like, oh, Bernie's running against Clinton. I was like, oh, well, you know, he has no chance. He'll get like 3% of the vote. But, hey, I'll, you know, I'll support Bernie. Like, I love that dude. And then by the end of it, I was just like, like, completely, like. In it. Yeah, in it. Yeah, I was door knocking every weekend. And then Bernie endorsed Jane Kim. Mm -hmm. And after he dropped out, you know, we were all like heartbroken, devastated. Of course. And a lot of us at that time were like, well, Clinton's going to lose to Trump. Like, we know that's going to happen. The polling all says it is. Yeah. And Bernie's like, well, you know, I had like so much umph and I'm like, I need to get this out of my system. Bernie's like, get involved in local, local races. So I got involved with Jane Kim state Senate race Mm -hmm. and I got involved with Sandra Lee Fewer's supervisor race and, uh, you know, did all that. Sandra Lee Fewer won, Jane didn't, which was completely heartbreaking. 
and uh, after that, I ran for the ADEMS. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, and I didn't really know a lot of folks, but I knew a lot of folks from Sandra Lee Fewer's campaign who came out and voted for me, and I won. And I was like, oh my god, like I won this election to the state party, and I like kind of don't still don't know the lay of the land. Sure. Joined the Bernie Kratz uh, because I'd been working with them. I, mm-hmm. I had a coworker who was an officer at the time, and from there just. It just all kind of fell into place. I uh, ended up leaving my job at Apple mm. to work for Jane's Mayor's race, mm. took a pay cut, no health care. And Ooh. then from there, just kept working until I'm where I am now. Right on. Okay. So, <laughs> it's a long story. No, 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 no. This is, it's going to get longer. Because yeah. I want to I go back to childhood, Brandon. Mm-hmm. I want to understand more. So how would you describe um, the town you grew up in, like, when your parents were together, like when you were younger and they had the pizza shop, how would you describe kind of like the experience of growing up there? Yeah. So I lived uh, probably like five or six miles outside of town. And most of people that lived in the foothills didn't live in Sonora. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonora has a couple thousand people, but the area around it has like several hundred thousand that just l- retire up there. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you grew up and basically I just grew up around nature. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I lived in a forest. I lived mm-hmm. next to a creek and a forest and, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with my brothers. Um, you're one of how many? I'm one of five or Whoa. six, sorry, six brothers. Six. I have six brothers. Yeah. It's, so this is, there's six boys. Yes. No girls. No girls. God, your poor mom. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Where do you land in the order? I'm second oldest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I have the, the luxury of, uh, my older brother taking most of the heat. Sure. I, you know, <laughs> gives you a little bit of leeway. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, no, you, you know, I built a good, a good relationship. My, me and my older brother are probably, uh, the closest, uh, out of the bunch of my, my immediate little brother. Um, I, I, you know, I'm really still really close with him. Um, but number yeah, three. Yeah. The, the three. three. And we're the Haramis. My other brothers are half brothers, but you know, I grew up with him. They're my brothers. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Heart. Um, and you know, I it, it was a really it was really kind of a, a I would say an ideal childhood mm. um, up until the the restaurant went under. Um, you know, when meaning when, ideal, like what? Tell me what you mean by that. Well, you know, you had I had you know both parents. I lived in under the same house, and divorce is really hard. But sure. you know, I had both my parents. I saw them all the time. Um, we had you know we owned a house. We were housing secure at mm-hmm. the time. Um, it was a beautiful, just beautiful location. And being being a kid and growing up around like just miles of nature to explore is just really, really um, fantastic, right? You get a lot of time to just be a kid and sure. run around and get dirty. Yeah, get dirty and play like you know Power Rangers and and uh, and what else did we watch as a kid? Care Bears. I don't <laughs> know, like like all the all the stuff. Sure. Um, and I you know I did a next door neighbor who I still know pretty well named Rochelle who was like my best friend mm-hmm. at then and I don't know it was just it was just good like I, I have very few like negative memories when I lived in Sonora sure 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 and did you it was was going to the pizza shop like daily like a part of your a part of your like routine almost like, a lot of the time okay. you know uh having both parents work uh, my dad worked at Cragen's mm-hmm. at the time, which is like an auto part sh- store. Mm-hmm. My mom ran the restaurant. My godfather, who lived with us, mm-hmm. he was a chef and he worked at the restaurant. Oh, gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, we would, it just depend on who picked us up after school. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, yeah, we would spend a couple nights a week. Um, my mom's, the office in the back of the, the area turned into just like a kid's play area nice. with yeah. like a desk. Yeah. Which was cool. And my mom was always big about, my mom, I, you know, I, my mom was always big about 
about kids. She loved she loved kids, so she usually created. She a lot loves of space being first. a mom. Yeah, my mom loves being a mom. Nice for sure. Did you? How would you? How would you describe now as an adult? How would you describe kind of like your your did well? Let me ask this a different way. What was your understanding of your class status as a as a young child living in Sonora and your parents together with the the pizza place, or did you not have an understanding? Um. You know, that was the 90s. I think uh, even even working class folks were really comfortable at that time. And, and you know, we, we, we went on trips. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to, to Disneyland, uh, which was probably one of my fondest childhood memories. Sure. Visited my grandmother in Kansas mm. at the time. So, you know, I didn't really have a class analysis. And, sure. and, and, you know, there were poor people in Sonora. There still are a lot of poor people. Did you understand that there were, did you understand that there were there were people poorer than you, like relatively speaking as a child. Like, did you understand that? I don't think I really understood mm. that until, um, uh, until I, I actually went to Mexico as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, my understanding of class analysis, even though, uh, I lived in public housing and in, in section eight housing, it didn't really occur to me, I think until I went to Mexico and then I saw a lot of more poor people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it clicked to me that people were not being treated Mm-hmm. the same but you but growing up in sonora you thought more or less like most people live like me yeah okay all right um so you said that you had you know pretty pretty chill like idyllic childhood when you were growing up in sonora with your parents and then this this crazy freak flood happened that like fucked up their pizza business and that like really ruined everything what are if you're comfortable saying what are your memories from that incident and like kind of how were you thinking about it as a child I mean, it was, you know, I, I remember um, my mom on the news during that time. They had, like, you know, filmed her. And I remember her, like, walking around that the building when it was flooded and, and her crying. Um, and, you know, after that, things just sort of, like, they really did unravel, you know, a lot of a lot of that stuff. Parents divorced. We moved. We ended up moving to Hollister. Did you, do, when, when, do you think that things unravel, I'm not asking you to speak for your parents, but just in your own mind, if you're comfortable saying, do you think that things unravel because that was your parents' dream? Like they put everything into that business and they really like, that was their, in their mind, like that was their, that was their thing. Like they had arrived as business owners. I think my, for my mom, yes. Okay. I think for my mom, yes. I think for my dad, he just wanted her and the family to be happy. Mm. I think that's it. And I think uh, just knowing my dad, um, he is probably one of the greatest people who's ever lived. Just opinion of my father. Uh, nice. He is, he is, uh, he just really wants his kids. He really wants his husband. He really wants his family to be, to be happy. And mm-hmm. he just, uh, he is um, just a very sweet person. So he wanted your mama to be happy. What do you think would have made, if you, if he, it sounds like he maybe relinquished some of his own personal desires for happiness so that your mother could be more happy. What do you think your dad would have been doing if he had his, if, if, if he were not so um, uh, concerned in supporting other people's happiness? What do you think he would have been doing with his life at that time? He would have been out. I think he would have came out of the closet a lot earlier. Oh, yeah. I think Why do you think he was in the closet? Oh, because my grandmother is was extremely conservative, mm. and we lived in a very conservative mm. uh, area. Mm-hmm. So he was raised at being gay is bad, sure. and and you, you know, think your mama knew. You think she had a, a sense? No, I don't think she knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was able to like. He was able to just keep it. He was a good husband. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a good husband. Mm. He was a great father. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 
bent over backwards for his family. Yeah. So, yeah. and he still does. He yeah, would, yeah. If I, if I called him and I needed something from him, he would, I think he would drop everything for me mm-hmm. in, in an incident. And, and that's actually something too, that you got to bear in mind. You don't want to, uh, accidentally take advantage of your really sweet parents. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it helped a lot when I first moved to the city and I was broke all the time and I was like, dad, I'm broke. Yeah, right. I, I need money for a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. So th- things fell apart and like, Describe how they fell apart. Like, what, what were the things that happened? Well, you know, my mom and dad, the divorce wasn't great. And, and they have a good relationship now, but sure. at the time, the divorce wasn't, wasn't super great. Precipitated by the accident or precipitated by your dad starting to live his truth? Um, both. Or both. Okay. both. I, think, I think my mom felt betrayed that, that you know, that, that the man that she had been in love with had, mm-hmm. had been lying to her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we moved. Uh, I didn't see my dad very much, even though we didn't, we, we, the housing we lived in wasn't far from him, uh-huh. and that really hurt. Still in Sonora. Uh, so, my dad stayed at the house that we owned until he ended up selling it, and, and I think right. split. And I think they had to sell it in order to pay off the mortgage or something on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom moved us to like this this uh, public housing in Jamestown, which is this little town outside Sonora. Mm-hmm. It's basically Sonora, mm-hmm. and we lived there for a little bit. And I didn't really see my dad then. Mm-hmm. And then she ended up getting married pretty quickly hmm. to a family friend and we mm. ended up moving to uh, this little house outside of Hollister, if you know where Hollister's at. I do not. It's like two hours south of here near um, near Gilroy. Okay. Uh, San Jose area. Kind Hold of on, ish. you said mama married a family friend. Like, like was that, was that scandalous at the time? Uh, I, I, I don't remember. Okay. I don't really But you remember. knew, he was not a stranger to you. you no, know, like, no, I knew he was before. Oh, yeah, okay. I knew right. he was okay. before. Um, I don't know how she knew him, to be honest, but yeah, I knew who he was before. Oh, okay. All right. And so she got married. I mean, you know, uh, no, 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 no flack on my mom, but she's been married quite a few times. How uh, many times has your mom been married? Uh, I want to say like five times or so. Five? Yeah. How long was she married? I mean, not that, I mean... She's a human being. She's a woman. Uh, a couple do, years do each. Thing. I think she's just because she's a Pisces. She's a, she's <laughs> indecisive. She's, she's indecisive. So it's my da- my dad's a Pisces too. It's two <laughs> Pisces. Uh, I don't know. My mom's a, my mom's a really my mom's a really um she's got a really good heart. She's mm-hmm. a re- she's a really sweet person. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think you know she she's uh, she she was adopted as a kid, and I mm-hmm. sometimes think that that really shapes this perception sure. of like feeling like she needs family. Uh-huh. And so I think that sometimes when after a marriage didn't work out for her, she would seek out family again okay. for her. Okay. Um, and I think that's part of the reason she had so many kids and mm. she really, really loves her kids. But I think that that played a big part in a lot of her motivation. I see. Your mother was, not, where are your parents? Cause, cause you got to look to you. So where are your parents' parents from? Uh, my mom's adopted. Uh-huh. Uh, so not too certain about her uh-huh. lineage. Uh-huh. My, my dad is Greek. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Greek. Because I'm like, you have a you have a very like stately beard. Oh, thank you. My dad's is better. My dad has this like Leonidas beard. It's like (laughs) out to here. Uh, And I I didn't grow a beard for a long time because I didn't want. I look a lot like my dad. Sure. Uh, And I was like, I don't want to look a lot like my dad. Even though my dad's a super good looking guy, Mm. really good looking. Except uh, I got a better nose than him. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, dad, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you will listen to this. Uh, My nose is better than yours. You're so terrible. Yeah, but he's got he's got so he's got the he's got a Greek very Greek nose, and so do my two older brothers. But I got this like little button kind of right here and then mm-hmm. like the Greek at the ridge and I'm just like very proud of it. 
<laughs> Brenda, you are I, out of so my wild. out of my three immediate brothers, I'm, I definitely feel like I'm the best looking, and I'm not afraid to. She was like, okay, hair flip, um, <laughs> but I'm the baddest. Yeah, I'm the best looking. Yeah. My older brother makes the most money, so he can brag about that. Okay, <laughs> I mean, you know, we all we <laughs> we've all got a hat bar. Yeah, yeah. You're still so. Well, well, um, my, my immediate little brother's in a super happy marriage, so oh, that's nice. he's got that going. For and him, you, you know. are a political tastemaker, so yeah, it's like tastemaker. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I've got all. You've got Tastes all a little burnt. <laughs> it's a, a little stale. <laughs> you are so silly. Um, uh, so you moved to Hollister with your mom and your two other brothers. She got remarried to a family friend. Ow. Um, and then she had your three other brothers. She had two more with uh-huh. this with this gentleman, uh-huh. and then um, uh, and then she they got divorced, and uh, she then married someone else, and then had one more after that. Got you. So what was was the was life different in Hollister than it was in Sonora? Oh yeah, in, entirely different. Um, you know, Hollister is majority uh, Latinx. Oh okay. Yeah, and uh, Sonora they were probably like. three people of color I can remember. Huh. Yeah. I remember my mom. Yeah. My mom had one friend who was black Mm -hmm. and then, uh, my step, my, my godfather's Japanese who lived with us. Oh, okay. Um, and there was, uh, I think there's one more person. I actually like thought back on this because I remember, (laughs) I remember that someone had this meme of like, Hey, you know, name, what grade were you when you've had your first black teacher? And I was just like, I don't even remember, like, who's even the first, like, black person I met, Sonora. <laughs> and I, I do remember him, and uh, I, and, and, you know, interestingly enough, I've never, I never had a black teacher till college. Huh. Which is. Uh, oh, you uh, poor thing. I, I, well, yeah, Hollister is not, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, um, like I said, there's a lot of uh, Latinx folks, and that mm-hmm. has to do with it being a big farming community. Mm-hmm. And it used to be close to the capital of uh, California when it was under Mexico's control, San uh-huh, Juan uh-huh. Batista. Uh-huh. Uh, but there are a lot of white people that live there. It's like huh. white suburbia in town. But I mostly I mostly live down the country. Gotcha. And yeah. were you still in Section Eight housing in Hollister, or not, or or not because she had remarried your mom? Uh, we were still in Section Eight. Okay. Yeah. Was did you have an aware? Did you understand what that meant, or did you have an opinion about it, or a perception of it as a kid? I I I think I recognize. I think in the back of my head, I sort of recognized that we were not super well off, rural white community culture right uh uh you a lot of folks are on food stamps welfare section eight but they will they will they are so in denial about it they'll they'll take their 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 food stamp their ebt card and they'll go and buy groceries and then they'll just pretend like like they're totally fine nothing's wrong because there's a there's a sense of of shame around it sure um there's a stigma around being poor and like hollister you know, the people that were making money would be the people that either owned farms, commuted to San Jose to work, or worked at, like, this weapons manufacturing, like, weapons chip manufacturing mm. uh, thing there. And so so there wasn't a lot of really well-paying jobs. Housing costs were, were high. Mm-hmm. And and so for as a kid, like, we didn't really we, – we pretended like we weren't poor. But I remember – um, I remember when my car – mom's car breaking down once mm-hmm. and, and her just being um, – uh, you know, so prideful that she tried, she tried having us walk home when mm. she didn't really have much of a choice. You know, she, she didn't really, uh, know what to do in that situation. So she, she tried having us walk home mm-hmm. and we lived like miles outside of town. And unfortunately, mm. like, I, I, I think a family friend ended up picking us up, but mm. I think that was a moment where it really occurred to me that like, Oh, you know, we're not, we're not that well off. No, not at all. Did you, what was she doing for work? 
She was a waitress. Okay. And she was going to school to study nursing at the time. Ah. Uh, but unfortunately, she had a heart attack. Oh, my God. Really, yeah, that really, like, put it back in. in While like, she was in school. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She was actually at the hospital at the time, which was the best place to have a heart attack. But uh, she ended up having heart problems after that. And, uh, yeah, it ended up ruining her her work as, an, as a nurse. But she was a really hard worker. She was working full-time as a waitress. Yeah, had three kids. Had three kids. and um, Then had two more. Yeah, then had two more. <laughs> And we were actually, there was a moment where we were doing, you know, fairly well. Mm-hmm. And because my stepfather was a union plumber mm. uh, and like, and, and not like plumber, like, you know, he's plunging toilets, but actually building piping for ah. stuff in, in like San Jose and stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, he ended up uh, just quitting his job and not working. He, he, oh, he just, so he just didn't work for a while. Just yeah. And just, things got t- a little tighter after that. Yeah. Mm. And my mom did all the work. And, you know, frankly, I think he was just lazy. Uh, Do you think he was just lazy? He, he was he was not a very good stepfather. Mm. He was he was really bad. Mm. Um, and, and I was, you know, my mom ended up divorcing him after a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, she really stood up and, and was like, I, she didn't want to deal with it anymore. And sure. I, I was really proud of her then. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, after that, like, things sort of, it, like, improved because it, it kind of went downhill from there. Sure. I was made fun of a lot in school. Why? I'm weird. I'm I'm, I'm cool with that, that but kids aren't, you know, sure, sure, all the sure, time. Sure. So I was weird. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean when you say weird? What do you think other children's perception of you being, quote, weird was? So kids know when you're gay. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> they, like, they can sniff it out. But they, like, they, like, no, I don't understand how they do it. They're, like, what's wrong with you? And And, like... I'm so I'm very like blunt and sure. uh do you think it was your uneasy do you think do you think as a child I'm now you're an adult so your memories of this time might be different but do you think your behavior as a child was in your words weird because you were you were trying to not be found out and that ended up making you kind of be a little awkward or 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 like Mm, angsty or whatever that people sniffed the gay out you know do you understand what i'm saying like do you were you were you preemptively responding to the world your perception of the world's suspicion or derision for what you knew to be your for what you knew you you were yeah i mean i was deeply insecure about it Mm -hmm. and i think that shows and i'm i'm you and i think a lot of it is like i'm usually a pretty blunt person Uh um and no, not you. <laughs> so I'm usually a pretty blunt person, and uh, I couldn't speak to that. I was I was really ashamed of it, I and see. I don't, you know, I had a gay dad, and but a lot of it was just like being Christian, you know, like growing up Christian. Oh, you grew up religious. Yeah, I grew up mm-hmm. Christian, um, and I was going to church and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and you know that really thing. that really made it hard. Um, I I think you know the saving grace was my having my father in my life, and mm-hmm. like actually. I mean, honestly, having having my dad and his husband even like be married and have a healthy relationship was just like really good for my life because sure. I don't think I would have seen that. But yeah, I was I was made fun of a lot. Um, you know, I didn't have the easiest time at home either. Right. Uh, my stepdad, like I said, was just a really awful person. Mm. And um, I uh, yeah, I just like built like some really deep rooted like trauma and, and insecurities from that. Mm. Um, that kind of followed me all the way up to the point of like middle school when I was just like. I don't believe in God anymore. I just gave it up. I was just hmm. like, you know what? This doesn't make any sense. Like, you, and that was that 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 rejection of uh, the the faith community you were brought up in. That's directly. That's you're saying that's directly related to the trauma you experienced in childhood and in your home, or or it it just it hap- it went in tandem with that. You know what I mean? Like that was that an outgrowth, or was that just 
Yeah, was that an outgrowth? Yeah, I think so. I think um, uh, everything that had led up, I was fed up with it. I was fed up with with um, being treated the way I had been treated. Mm -hmm. I and I had like no friends until the anime kids adopted me in like mm -hmm. middle school, and they're all fucking great. The mm -hmm. anime kids are like the best. They're they all grew up to be like Antifa like moms. Yes. Yeah, and they, they're, they're like they'll like cosplay as a sailor scout and then go on to talk about like you know we need to like dismantle the you know the systemic racism in our, our country. I love them. They're 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 still some of those nice. fabulous people. Nice. Um, uh, you, I've still followed them on Twitter and, mm -hmm. and keep an eye on them. They're they're great great folks. Uh, Rachel and Rosie, if you're listening to this, you you two are the homies. Uh, <laughs> thanks for taking me to Fanime. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I became their friends and. I had friends like that. Mm -hmm. I had 4-H friends kind of, but I had friends who like were like, you're weird. We're weird. I don't care. And were they all, were you guys all weird in the same way? Like, were you all, were you guys all gay or were you <laughs> all like, just like different flavors of weird? Both. Like, okay. Yeah. They're both they're, 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 A lot of them ended up being gay, which is, okay. which is great. Uh, um, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> Kids know when you're gay. Yeah, I don't kids, know how they do that. Yeah, they do. They like <laughs> sniff it out. And just ask any, just ask anyone who was gay in high and like school. I'd be like, yeah, the other kids like figured it out. I don't know how. Even <laughs> even people who like they didn't know they were gay sure, were sure, like sure. the other kids knew it was Sniffed gay. Sniffed it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so like middle school, I, I became friends with them. Eighth grade, then we went to high school, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. And I came out of the closet. Hmm. I, I think I was the first one in my class to come out. Um, what was that experience like? Was it was it super scary, or was it not so scary because everybody already clocked you? What was? Uh, I think I, I think coming out from you, I probably have one of the easiest coming out stories of most people that are LGBTQ. Mm. Uh, having a gay dad, you know, made it a lot. Easier. When did you find out your dad was gay? I was like seven. Okay, so he, so you were still uh, elementary school age when he came out, and your your reaction or understanding of that at that time was what i was like oh okay <laughs> like i i think i'm that same thing uh -huh. like i it just but like, it, that up. didn't that didn't that didn't that wasn't like that wasn't confusing for you that wasn't awkward for you that wasn't or was the way or was the 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 manner in which he came out like was just very matter of fact so it was just like okay dad mm -hmm. seems okay with this he seems sure about this oh That's yeah all that matters. and and he like uh, like I mean he he just lucked out. He uh, divorced my mom, came out of the closet, and then like immediately met his partner, mm -hmm. uh, uh, my stepdad, mm -hmm. um, who who really is like a dad to me. I say stepdad because it's hard to call two people dad. It's confusing. Uh, Jeff, I just call him Jeff. Um, I you know when I was a kid, it was it wasn't confusing. Mm -hmm. I I did feel a sense of shame that wasn't my dad's fault. Mm -hmm. But the, the the I feel like the fault of like the stigma at the time. Sure. Like I was like, oh, dad's gay, and I'm not like, and it's hard because like you would you know you would get in, you would have these moments where you felt embarrassed, but it's not really an embarrassment out of like, you know, not loving your dad and not like loving your stepdad or anything like that. It was the embarrassment of just being made fun of all the time, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and it yeah, really yeah, yeah. it really impacts you mm -hmm. very negatively. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where like you automatically just like the trauma of being just made fun of so much as a kid immediately makes you feel like, Oh, like, not one more thing. Yeah. One I, more thing. They're going to make fun of me for this. You uh, know? I see. And, and getting over that was hard, but you know, having friends who were weird and didn't give a shit what other people thought. Mm -hmm. And even my dad just like not giving a shit. Like we, he lived in Modesto and it would like, like kiss and, and hold his husband's hand mm -hmm. in like the early Tongue 2000s. Down. Yeah. And he would just <laughs> do it. And you know, I think that really helped me. Uh, 
like I was openly out in high school, mm-hmm. like like everyone in the high school knew. And that was such a, like a, a difference between like elementary school where I had no friends. Mm. Uh, I was really ashamed of myself. Mm. I was, I was, you know, you know, I'll say I was really lonely. I was mm-hmm. a really lonely kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even with your brothers? You know, I have, I couldn't talk to my brothers about this kind of stuff. You I know? see. Cause they're, they, they were, they were, were, are straight and just didn't have a concept or they were very different from you in the way that they showed up in the world. So it's like, ah, I don't know how to relate to Brandon. I, uh, I, I think it was a lot of isolation. Mm. I, I love my brothers. Um, they, they, obviously don't care that I'm gay. Uh, no. Like, their dad is gay. Sure. I actually have one of my younger brothers I, uh, is, is queer. I don't know what they identify as specifically, but they're, mm-hmm. they're queer, and I'm, mm-hmm. really, I'm really proud of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, it was, like, a, a sense of shame mm-hmm. that I didn't really want to talk to anyone, at, but, like, my dogs were, like, my saving grace for a long time as a kid. I mm. really, like, they were, they were always there. And when you live out in the country, it's really hard to, like, bond with other kids. You don't sure. have, like, a kid that lives around the corner from your house. Right, right, right. Down go hang out with, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got interested in politics, uh, like, a lot more in high school. After you came out. After I came out, mm-hmm. I got involved with the Gay Straight Alliance. Oh, nice. And uh, I got more active in LGBTQ issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I remember we did Day of Silence. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we did... Uh, Pride, we, we got the GSA to be in a local school parade, which for Hollister was like... Very right. Yeah, we were just like, whatever. I was like kind of a goth kid, hmm. which was cool. Mm-hmm. I like wore eyeliner. Ooh. I pay, I You were probably so cute in eyeliner. Oh my God. Uh, I'll, uh, when I do when I do drag Nancy Pelosi again, you can see me in eyeliner yes. again, yeah. And when I got my eyelashes done, I have, they're very long, so I, I really like it. Yeah, I loved it. My mom my mom didn't really care for the eyeliner very much. She actually took my, my goth stuff in stride pretty well, though. She took that better than you coming out or about no, she, I mean, the coming out thing, I think she knew. She, yeah, yeah, she knew. My my dad, my dad knew. My dad knew when I was like seven. Mm. This, this is my dad. Yeah, this is why my dad's a gem. But yeah, she knew. She like my mom's like she's Pisces. She's very dramatic. She <laughs> she she was very dramatic for like a week, and then she was like, okay, whatever. Okay. Uh, she was more upset when I told her I was an atheist. That was that was Ooh. actually that was the hardest thing I think on her. So <laughs> yikes. It's alright. It's fine now. Okay. She's over it. Yeah, she's over it. Did you? Did you? So, I. So as your. So you. You came out. You were. You were openly gay in high school. Um, you had an easy coming out. You said uh, because either everyone already knew, wasn't surprised, or was just very much like, okay, that makes sense. It's Brandon. How were you understanding? being a gay youth politically at that time Mm -hmm. do you understand what i'm saying yeah that's a good good question you know there are um at the time there were issues directly related to education that Mm. lgbtq youth um needed to get involved with like what um well at the time actually this is really cool um delane easton was superintendent of public Ah, instruction yeah and she actually got funding to create um lgbtq programs Mm -hmm. in schools to Mm -hmm. create counseling and other stuff at the time um, and that when the program started up, I actually got involved with one of them, which was, we had our own like secret, we called it, uh, Vegas. What, cause what happens at Vegas stays in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And one of the counselors actually brought us all into the same, like, like during class, we would all meet in, in secret, basically like super secret. You could only get invited to this oh, group mm-hmm. and it was only for LGBTQ folks. And that was just phenomenal to see what what can be done when the schools start prioritizing uh, and this wasn't just white gay men like me we had trans folks we had lesbians we had bisexual folks in high school in high school oh, we, wow. yeah there were there were a few folks who were transgender mm-hmm. 
And that really, well, what was great about that, because Gay Straight Alliance, and this was like the 2000s gay, so like the biggest issue for everyone at that time was marriage equality, which was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it kind of overshadowed these other issues like trans issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, the issues that lesbians and women face in the LGBTQ thing. But sitting down and, and being in this group where it was a group therapy where we'd talk about our problems really with friends, like people that you poured your heart out to built a sense of community in the LGBT like Q spaces. And I, and I, and I think that, you know, that really created a lot of, um, a lot of my, my perspective around LGBTQ issues now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, also having trans friends through my dads mm-hmm. who were, who were very active in PFLAG and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that, that just made me aware of like a broader range of issues for the LGBTQ community. Ah. And, um, I had, I had straight friends who were also politically active. I remember my friend, Amy, Amy, if you're listening to this, what's up girl, <laughs> uh, she was a, just one of my, my closest friends in high school and just a fat, fabulous person. And, and her mom was very politically active and we went to uh, protest sometimes they would mm-hmm. take me with them and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I'd walk, I, I, you know, did, did some parades with my dad's mm-hmm. and, and then prop eight, you know, being a big sure. girl and stuff like that. So uh, you know, it, it, it's just cool getting a chance to be in a community and hear people directly mm-hmm. and hear about their struggles directly mm-hmm. and then realize, you know, also see how a policy created this space for us mm-hmm. and how how that direct policy can impact the LGBTQ community in a positive way. At that time, now granted, this was, it was a very different time. You're, you were a youth, very different. But what was what were some of the most salient... LGBTQ issues to you at that time? It was like Prop 8, I presume, was high up there, but what else? Or was or was marriage equality just the biggest thing on your radar and your current, your your conception of like, you know, uh, how politics impacts um, the LGBTQ community? Marriage equality was always important, right? I have, you know, gay dads, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. was a big important part. Um, my dad was fired from his job for being gay. Huh? Oh, when he came out? Uh, yeah, he was fired. Um, and he what was, was he on, doing? He was working at Craigans, so it's like an auto parts store. Uh, 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 after and, the pizza parlor. Yeah, but, so uh. he was working there. Um, I think the one in Turlock. So if you live in Turlock, don't go to that Craigans. Uh, <laughs> they fired him, and he he didn't have exact proof that they fired him because he's gay. But yeah. there was our whole family pretty much knew yeah. at the time that that was why. Yeah. Cause they, they, the manager just found out mm. that my dad had a husband like pretty recently and then uh. was fired despite the store performing really well huh. under his management and stuff like that. Mm. And that was a, you know, question of employment. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also on a day of silence one year, uh, we were wearing duct tape over our mouths. Mm. Uh, and the principal told us we're not allowed to do that. So there was also, uh, you know, kind of created more, you know, like the sense of like LGBTQ voices being, being silenced, mm-hmm. like day of silence. Basically. Was that, was that for Matthew Shepard after Matthew Shepard? No. So, uh, I, I can't remember, honestly, mm-hmm. I, I, it was the national day of silence. So if you know, it's a day where you just don't speak all day. I feel like I've heard of it before, but I'm not super clear on what it is and what it's for. It was, it was, uh, 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 LGBTQ rights, like one t- one day a year, you you just com- are completely silent for the whole day to represent like the the, the voices of people lost in the LGBTQ community, uh. either through you know being murdered, suicide, or even just like LGBTQ voices just not being represented in, in media. So uh, it was it was kind of ironic that you know we 
being si- we felt that being silent wasn't enough, so we actually put duct tape over our mouths uh, and uh, wrote like "Day of Silence" on it. Uh-huh. And the principal was like, "You can't do that." And, oh, and that was that was my. I think I'm fairly certain my dad called to complain about that, which is uh-huh. which is great. Nice. You know, there's a couple things that I noticed that were a little bit more broad ranging issues, but yeah, marriage equality was huge when when Prop Eight was on uh, the ballot. Um, I I had just moved in with my parents in Modesto. Uh, so I moved from Hollister because I turned 18 and moved to my parents' house in Modesto. Your, which parents? My dad's, sorry. Your dad's yeah. in Modesto. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so that brings us up to end of high school when you move in with mm-hmm. your dad's. Did yeah. you move in with your dad's because it was too much to live with your mom at that point? No. It was more of, um, I had not ever got the chance to live with him full time. I'd only visited them on weekends. And Oh, since was, the divorce. Yeah, it was a divorce. And so... Um, it was always recommended if you went to community college not to do it in your hometown because it's what? easy. Oh, because it's easy to get caught there and just oh, get sure, caught in sure, your sure, normal sure, thing. Sure. So I moved um, to to go to community college in Modesto, so mm. I wouldn't have any distractions. I got you. There were distractions, of course. Yeah, of course there were distractions. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was really great, and that actually like helped formulate a lot more of my political uh, beliefs a little bit stronger mm-hmm. when I lived in Modesto because we did get involved with the no on prop eight campaign mm-hmm. and, and God, people in Modesto were just, just awful at that time. They, the, really? we, yeah, we, I remember, uh, one day we were, uh, the P flag group. So, mm-hmm. you know, P flag being an LGBTQ rights group. Mm-hmm. Um, we all met and did this demonstration on prop eight, like protect our families, whatever. And it was just like a little rally on the side and people were like throwing trash at us. Seriously. And, yeah. Dropping the F word at us. Wow, and yeah, wow, wow. it was awful. That's but, not nice. You know, I'm, you know, I feel like we've come a long way since then though. So, sure, you sure. know, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them. Oh my God. Was it your family and or parental expectation that you would go to college or did you, or was that just something you wanted to do or how, what was that? Um, I mean, it was kind of like, assume neither of my parents have a degree mm-hmm. so you know i think uh it wasn't just assumed but i just assumed that was like the next step i had to do mm-hmm. and you know it, it's it's funny i feel like there's so many kids who have you know all this prep before like college and all that stuff and i, f- I feel like i was a little like rudderless at the end of my high school career i, I did not know what I wanted to do with my life and I didn't know, um, you know, how to, how to even like get engaged in the college system. Mm-hmm. Um, even I was in AP classes, mm. I took AP classes and I, I just was like completely oblivious to the process sure. of getting into college. And, you know, I feel like, I feel like that also comes from families where your parents don't have degrees Yeah, is that, you know, you got to kind of figure it out on yeah. your own, figure out how to navigate it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my parents were always very supportive of me going to school. Like my, my stepdad, he, he signed, co-signed my student loans, like, nice. like bless his heart, like oh, yeah. taking a risk for his credit for me. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm like so adamant about making sure I repay those so fast. Yeah, those yeah, are like yeah. the ones I'm prioritizing. Yeah, I'm like, oh, right. his name's on him. Like gotta pay them that's off. Right, right? That's like, right. Gotta, gotta be, gotta be a homie to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think my parents, my parents just wanted me to be happy, mm-hmm. and I don't think, and, and and they know that just going to college and getting a college degree is not necessarily something that will give you a good career yeah. or make you happy. Yeah. My older brother is a great example. I think he has an associates, and he makes he does like he works on like Anchor Steam's refrigeration. He's uh-huh. like a contractor. He makes like 150k a year. Nice. Yeah, just doing like good, good, uh, you know, trade uh, work. Trade work. Yeah, yeah he's a tra- yeah. he's a tradesman, and and you know. Give a lot of respect for for our laborers and yeah. especially our union folks. Right on. 
Okay. So you went to you went to community college first. Was the plan to start in community college because it was more affordable? And then you would transition into either a Cal State or a UC? Yeah. So I uh, went to community college because it was affordable and because I had no idea what I was going to do. Hmm. And uh, I was kind of torn between politics because yeah. I was always had a lot of interest in it. Obama, you know, that was yeah. Obama, Prop 8 year mm-hmm. had just happened. Or I was in... I started my semester just before that election, the 2008 election. Yeah, so yeah. I started September of that year. And it was the first election I voted in because I just turned 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like fired up. I used to go on YouTube and get in arguments with people. Nice. I was, so not to brag or anything, but I, I, <laughs> I listened to the Young Turks then, like mm-hmm. before the Young Turks were cool. Ah, okay. Yeah, when they had like their cheap backdrops and stuff. Yeah. Like that. It was great. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was, I was super interested in the left-wing politics as like Barack Obama left-wing politics. Oh God. Uh-huh. I mean, we didn't know any better at that time. Yeah. So I, you can be forgiven for that. Yeah. And I kind of was just like, I kind of had that that lib mindset of like, well, I really want like single payer healthcare, but like, we're not gonna get that. Like, right. we're we're gonna like we're that's, gonna have to meet in the middle and like right. figure things out. And that was sort of my like what some people call pragmatism. I hate when they say I'm pragmatic yeah. or like I'm a pragmatic progressive. Right. I want to throw them, just throw them in the ocean. That's right. I hate that shit because it's like, what's so pragmatic about letting corporations make like you know, or get tax breaks or like what's so pragmatic about a public option, which like has a 10% say eight, eight to 10% saving on healthcare costs, which is nothing yeah, that's compared right. to like 50%. Yeah. Uh, but I, that's how I felt at the time. Can I ask you something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is your, what is your most embarrassing lib moment or memory? That is a question that I ask people. Oh my God. I, need to oh, I used to have an, uh, I heart Nancy Pelosi license plate frame. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I I found actually old uh, Facebook because Facebook has that memory thing. I mm-hmm. have one of me just praising Diane Feinstein. I would do that TikTok of like, you know, the one of you, the, the I don't know if you're on TikTok, but of like embarrassing thoughts. Like that one time I remember how much I love Nancy Pelosi and it's yeah. just like, oh, I'm right. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. All right. So but did you, and also let's park right here for a second. 2008. Did you, what was your what you you are younger than me so you you i get maybe had just started college around 2008 yeah. and the calamitous you know clusterfuck of the world that got ushered in then how did how did 2008 affect you because i find like anyone i would say like 40 and under had their life touched and kind of maybe their world like rocked um so what was 2008 for you Financially, it was really hard. Um, uh, my mom had cancer at the time. Ooh. Yeah, my mom's had like... This is after the heart attacks. Yeah. Oh, goodness. She had cancer. Um, it was a really rough, hard year on me. I was working, trying to graduate high school, mm-hmm. then moved out of my town. Obama won, Prop 8 passed. Mm-hmm. So that was just like really rough. You know, I had to make new friends, uh, which... You know, wasn't wasn't super hard. I'm I'm a fairly friendly person. I you know a lot of my insecurities around people have like shifted a lot, so sure. it's, it's easier for me to to socialize. Like you know, we just right. met like a couple months ago, and I you know right <laughs> yeah. now you up on yeah, my, I'm on your podcast yeah that's uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was it was really hard. I think I think the the thing how 2008 has impacted me more than anything was watching a democratic supermajority of Congress uh. and Obama completely fuck everything up. 
Tell me everything up. Walk me through the fuck up. I know what you're gonna say, but walk me through it. Well, your perception of it. Well, at that time. So, or in retrospect. Oh my god. So the public option fight. Yeah. Just they like we were we were asking for the bare minimum. That's right. Uh, eight percent saving in healthcare costs through a public option, and they could not get it done. Yeah. And they refused to do anything. Not couldn't get it done because that relinquishes the agency they had in getting it done. They refused. They refused refused to get it done. Right. That's right. They they didn't get that shit done. Um, we did get Don't Ask, Don't Tell repealed. Yes. Uh, that was Harry Reid. Yeah. And Harry Reid, near the end of his his work in the Senate, started becoming a homie. Um, like, started... Just <laughs> too started, late. Yeah, yeah. St- too late. But he actually wanted to deliver on policy. Yeah. Um, and then he, like, backstabbed us progressives in the future because, mm-hmm. you know, he was trying everything can to stop Bernie. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Uh, Card check. What was that? Card check. Card they check. Drop that like a hot potato. Uh, marriage equality, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I fucking hate when people say that Obama made gay marriage possible. He was opposed to gay marriage. He, yeah, he campaigned against it. Yeah. yeah. And then Bill Biden is like, oh, I, I was the first one out of the administration to come in favor of gay marriage. Like, bitch, you voted for the Defense of Marriage Hello, Act. Like, Dumbass. it was the Supreme Court. And the only reason the Supreme Court took that case mm-hmm. was because Prop 8 passed. Yep. And we here in California. Like, we as the LGBTQ community, like, pushed hard against that and brought it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and it got repealed. It was not It was not Obama. It was not Obama. He explicitly campaigned against it. Yeah, and and this is the thing, like, he could have done... He had a mandate. He could have done whatever the fuck he wanted. Right. Yeah. Right, and that was just, like... In the beginning, I was like, yeah, and then just slowly watching things go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember my first about a frustration with the public option. That was like a really, really frustrating thing for me. I'm like, why why aren't the Democrats doing this? Like, hmm. I don't understand. Like, like they have all this power. Like, why don't, why don't they do this? I was like, uh, and from there, that was sort of like the cracks, uh-huh. the cracks in the ideology. Uh-huh. And by the time I lived in San Francisco, I'd just gone completely uh, completely left and completely. Uh, I remember. Um, I think. I think that f- I, I voted for Nancy Pelosi when I lived here for a while, mm. and then Preston Pickus, mm-hmm. uh, who ran as an independent in 2016, was the first time I didn't vote for her. Nice. And that was that was that was really hard because even in the beginning of the year, I remember being like, "Oh, I don't want to vote for Pelosi." I'm like, "Why? Pelosi is so great." And by the end of like, by the time the summer happened and the DNC pulled all that shit on Bernie, I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, fuck it. Yeah. Fuck I guess people. that was the cracking moment when the DNC like was revealed to have done all that shit in the background. Mask off. Yeah. Did you, in regarding 2008 and the disillusionment with the shit ass um, Obama administration, <laughs> did you, did you understand and or have an opinion or perception of the mortgage crisis? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. Um, uh, I knew people who lost their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hollister uh, was growing a lot, and so was Modesto with a lot of single-family homes. And I remember just after 2008 happened, I just remember just, like, huge lots of half-finished houses just sitting huh. there for, like, years after mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, w- I was super aware of that. Um, that was another thing, too. And and living with my dads really helped me a lot with this because they paid attention to this stuff all the mm-hmm. time. And I remember them talking about how it was bullshit that – you know, Wall Street gets bailed Hello. out. Hello, the, the homeowners didn't. You know, do you think? Do you think that was the general, the general understanding and sense of your community that anger that like Wall Street got bailed out and here we are like trying to fucking s- scramble to stay housed. You know, and you know, it's not my fault you gave me this stupid fucking loan that I couldn't afford. You know right. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I definitely recognized at the time how awful Wall Street was. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, at that time I had developed a class analysis, which was at that point, which was, uh, that, uh, I, I had understood at that point that, uh, the government served the interests of the rich Mm -hmm. over the interests of the poor. Mm -hmm. I just thought that Democrats, once Democrats were in power, that that would start being chipped away. Mm. And, uh, that, you that, were quickly disabused. Yeah. Of that oh God. Yeah. So quick. <laughs> yeah. So quick. Yeah. The Democrats were super disappointing. And then I think a lot of me just held on. And I think I see a lot of this in, in liberals today. A lot of me just still held on hope that uh. I was like, well, they must have a plan. They must have a plan. Mm-hmm. There, there must be reason to doing it. Can I ask you about that? Do you think that libs hold out hope because they don't see an option outside of the, the, the two party political binary, you know, the other party will do the right thing because why else are you there? You know what I mean? Like, what do you, do you think that that's, do you think that's part of it or do you think it's something else? Like, and I ask that because I'm not sure at this point, like when we've, when we've been through the Obama administration and seen them stand pat on, you know, common sense for the regular person, common sense, you know, policy or, Oh no, they can't really be terrible. So we're going to believe the best about them. What is it? Um, you, so, you know, I've been a delegate to the state party for a couple of years now, so I get, a, I get to work with a lot of liberals. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, I th- you know, I, th- I think I recognize a couple. So there's like the very politically active liberals mm-hmm. who I genuinely think uh, many of them hold the same ideals as us. Not like not like like policy ideals. Right? Sure. They would, uh, some of them really would love to see a single payer system mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think, I think there is a group of them that genuinely believes that the left or leftists can't win. And hmm. the only way is to meet in the middle. Um, uh, so I think there's some of those, I think some people get involved in this the same way people get involved in like celebrity shit, right? Mm. Like, Oh my God, did you see what, uh, Kamala did? Oh my God, queen. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like they would talk about like Beyonce or Lady Gaga mm-hmm. and they look at these people as celebrities and not like our employees that are supposed Hello. to be here to like solve problems. Right. And that's why you see things like, you know, the K hive. And, um, I don't think, I don't know if Joe Biden is necessarily like a celebrity. No, fuck no. Everybody yeah. knows this fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And absurd. The best thing that ever came from him were the old Obama Biden memes. Of, yeah, uh, like, that's the, right. There is definitely a group of those folks who mm-hmm. are just like, like, Oh my God. Like it's their sports teams. Sure. It's their sports. Teams. Celebrity it's, worship. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, 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 or yeah. Sports teams. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and then there's the people who are fine with the status quo because the status quo is benefiting them. Uh-huh. And those are sort of like like over here in the Castro. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, like it's so funny seeing white gay men mm-hmm. uh, worshiping the political establishment now because right. it's like it's like they're, they're Hillary. It's like, girl, you forgot. Yeah, <laughs> like are you kidding me? Right, right. Like they're Hillary Clinton stickers with like the rainbow. Yeah. It's like, I was like, girl, like she opposed gay marriage yeah, yeah, when Don't Ask right. Don't or when uh, the Defense of Marriage Act that's was out. Right. Are you that's kidding right. me? Her, da- right. her husband signed the Defense of Marriage Act. That's like, right. but she didn't come out of for a single payer. You could have that Truvada for free and yeah. not have to worry about your employment. Yeah, to get your yeah. prep girl. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, and if you can afford PrEP listeners uh, and you are LGBTQ, make sure that you talk to your doctor about PrEP. It's a really great uh, yeah, medicine. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Why, why not? Throw some ass without anxiety. Uh, 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 no hookups during a pandemic, though. Just, and if you do, wear a mask. What was that? What was that kind of like 
evolution for you through college like? Uh, the Young Turks helped a lot, huh. believe it or not. Um, I don't really watch them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of disappointed in their pushback against the unionization yep. and, and saying, but Hassan, <sighs> so dreamy. Um, he is. That's a foxy gentleman. Oh my God, That's Jesus. I kn- <laughs> this is why I can't run. I, I probably can never run for office because someone's going to find my thirst tweets about him. <laughs> thirst uh, tweets. Oh my God. He's so, he's so beautiful. He um, uh, yeah, so that helped a lot. Yeah, my parents helped. Um, it's really funny, though, because I was such a lib, and I remember my, my stepdad being like, we need just to fire everyone in Congress. I'm like, what about Nancy Pelosi? He's like, especially her. That's and I'm like, right. Eh. I'm like, why? She's so great. <laughs> and he was just like, ugh. And now, you don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I remember during Christmas, we did a Zoom family call, and I was just like, and I would t- talk, we were talking about, like, you know, who in the family we're most like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm most like Jeff now. <laughs> like, that was my stepdad. I was like, I feel like I'm, like, grumpy like him and, and Marxist and, yeah. like, uh, in a, uh, I don't know, I might be more left than him. I, I, really? I feel, yeah, well, I feel like in my core, I'm, I really am a communist at heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, my... that's the logical progression yeah, of what like, we're doing. Yeah, like, let's get rid of all of this. This is all awful. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot to, to do to get there. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> huh. Uh, but yeah, my step, my parents, uh, the Young Turks, and then you know when I moved to San Francisco, I kind of uh, checked out of politics for a bit when I was going to college for music. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really have time to think about it, mm-hmm. and then I was you know working full time, and you were working full time and going to school. Yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah, where'd you go? Academy of Art. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was oh, studying music that. and sound design for visual media. It was like oh. music composition for film. Right on. So you moved here around what age were you when you moved here? Uh, Twenty. Okay. After I, your first two years at community college. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you transferred here for Academy of Art. Yeah. What did you, when you transferred to come here, what did you, what was your vision for your life? Like, what was your desire for, for your life? Uh, I wanted to be in a metal band uh, mm. was one thing. Uh, You've got the beard for it. Oh, thank so. you. <laughs> I was in a metal band for a little bit, but uh, I wanted to... Mostly, I wanted to do uh, film scores and video game scores. Oh, right on. Yeah, okay. and I still I still write music. Uh, I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, it's it's hard to for me to just think that like oh, there's all these problems in the world, uh, and instead of trying to address them as a person, and I think this is a four H kid that really that really did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just gonna stay home and write music, and I just can't. I can't just just I can't look at the, my future and see myself not getting involved in trying to fix these problems. Why? I uh, don't think enough people are, are, are doing enough about them, mm. about of the problems facing our country. I, I just don't feel like enough people. And I feel like it's my responsibility when I recognize an issue to try to help resolve it. You know, if I don't get engaged in these issues, I feel I'm doing a disservice to other people who really need help. You know, mm. and I'm doing a disservice to the generations after me, which, you know, if climate change is the, the biggest threat to humanity and just not enough people are, are addressing it or talking about it or doing anything about it. Mm. And so I, I guess it's a sense of there's a bit of a sense of guilt. If if you ever you ever have like, I really need to do laundry, <laughs> nice. but I really don't want to get off the couch. Yeah. And then you don't get off the couch uh-huh. and then you maybe, you know, you know, smoke a bowl or something, uh-huh. order food, then go to bed. Uh-huh. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, fuck. I should have done the laundry. Yeah. That's how I feel about like climate change. Mm-hmm. Like I can't sit and chill mm-hmm. knowing this is going on. Mm-hmm. I got to do something about mm-hmm. it. And I think that that is a big motivator for me is just like these problems aren't being solved and not, not enough people are doing enough to solve it. So I got to get up at, off my ass, off the couch and mm-hmm. do my laundry.
got that? Do your laundry, kids. <laughs> That's actually a really good analogy. Okay, join us back here tomorrow as we continue following this precious little lamb story. And bye bye.